So for anybody who's trying to make the transition from writing to simply speaking in their videos, try just capturing, cutting something out, and then using that as your content. You might be really surprised by the results. Just recording a conversation like we are now can produce a lot of really interesting ideas and really well said clips that you can then take and post on your social media. I think people underestimate what's possible even with just one platform. Welcome to the Nomad Solopreneur Show, the only podcast you will learn actionable tips that you can apply right away on how to build and grow a one-person business while traveling the world. I'm your host, Gabe Marushka, and every Thursday, solopreneurs and nomads will share their inspiring stories, and I will challenge them to build solutions to real-life problems that freelancers or 9 to fivers are facing in their road to freedom. If you are a freelancer, aspiring nomad or solopreneur, turn out the volume, because today's episode, I have the pleasure to host Dalton Danks, who's a communication and video coach for non-native English speakers, who's living the digital nomad lifestyle, slow traveling the world and building his business 100% online since 2020. He's seriously excited about the future of e-learning, online businesses and solopreneurship without borders. It's his goal to get 10,000 new video content creators sharing their message online. For all the action takers listening, make sure to stick to the end. He has a challenge and a special gift for you that is guaranteed to kickstart your video content no matter where you are on your journey. Before we start, make sure to subscribe to the free 3 newsletter at gabe.li slash newsletter. If you enjoyed this podcast, I guarantee you'll love the newsletter. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome Dalton, so happy to have you here. So happy to be here, thanks for uh, the invitation. My pleasure, where are you calling from? I am actually in my hometown of Phoenix, Arizona in the US, in the room that I grew up in. It's a little bit different now, but this was like my childhood bedroom, so it's a little bit of an unusual moment for me, but I'm in my hometown, Phoenix. That might bring back some memories. If you don't mind, how was your childhood growing up in the States? Yeah, it's interesting because obviously I left eventually. So there was something here that I wasn't quite satisfied with, you know, to want to eventually move places and travel. But the more time that I spend outside of the US, the more that I start to really love and respect kind of my background and everything that's great about the US. So I would say over time, I love it more. And uh, it's been a journey, I think, being like a teenager, kind of angsty and, you know, wanting to do something different to now coming home. And um, I don't want to live here full time, but I enjoy being here. So that's something that you, you don't think about it before living. But speaking on living, what made you take this leap and uh, start a nomad life? And for how long have you been a nomad? Yeah, so to give some context, I've only been doing like the nomad thing for about a year, a year and a half. Uh, my first short nomad excursion was October 2021. So I eased into it a little bit. I first moved to the Netherlands in 2016 to study music. That was my thing for most of my life, making music. So I was this expat student for a while. I ended up moving to Germany after that and really kind of officially expatriated and established myself as a freelancer there. But then around the pandemic, that was a moment uh, for myself, like for many people where it was like something has to change. And I knew I didn't want to stay in Germany. I knew I didn't want to kind of give up on what I had been doing and go back to the US. Uh, so I wanted to try, like I said, this nomad thing, just one trip. 
I went for two months to Tbilisi, Georgia. And since then, it's just been no looking back. Yeah, that's a different journey that the most that I hear when it comes to starting a nomad life, because usually it's like sick of nine to five or working for home for too long. And when it comes to your music background, did that had an influence in your work? Because I know that you're a coach for not native English speakers. How that influence your journey when it comes to, to your business? Yeah, mm, I don't know. It's kind of weird because I think I always had this sort of independence mindset. Like I never wanted to be in a nine to five situation. So I always had the kind of freelancer independent attitude towards things. And that's why I think I first got into teaching English when I was in the Netherlands looking for a job. I didn't want to work at a restaurant or deliver food. I wanted to find something that I kind of have more uh, control or freedom with. So that was freelancing as an English teacher. That's when I first started. The other thing that I think has translated from music to what I do now is really the listening side of things. So as you know, when you're trying to work with some of these nuances in communication, in the way you're speaking, uh, you have to have a certain attention to, to sounds and to listening to the way people speak, to the way you speak. And I think my musical background has definitely helped me with uh, getting through that stuff, especially when I was first starting with teaching. For how long have you teach English? It was not long after I moved to the Netherlands, so 2016 to 2023. Since majority of our listeners are struggling with finding clients or jumping into this solo business thing, how did you went from um, teaching English in Netherlands to finding clients for your uh, video coaching business? What was your approach and the challenges that you faced when you did that? So when I first started, I had very little guidance. I didn't know what I was doing. And I saw a lot of people who were posting on a lot of different platforms. They had an email list. They had a website, this huge infrastructure to bring people from all places into their funnel and have this really awesome kind of elaborate warming up process with emails and all this sort of stuff, like I said. So when I first got started with trying to build a business with it, I took that approach where I was setting up like my later account to cross post automatically and have my content strategy and do the email thing. And the truth is I never got it off the ground. I spent, I think it was about two or three months like building the website and doing all this crap. And it was just like, okay, this isn't working. I don't have time. I need to make more money, get some traction before I build this infrastructure. So that was kind of like the failure. And then I eventually did my first coaching program. This was like a new step for me to invest in help from another person. And that really clarified things for me and introduced me to this approach of really focusing in. And now what I do and what I would recommend to somebody, uh, another coach or somebody who's trying to do a similar sort of business is in the beginning, really focus on one niche, one offer and on one platform. So for me, that's LinkedIn. I'm focusing on helping non-native English speakers create video content, and I have one offer, this 10-week program. Having that focus allows me to put all my resources into it and really make sure that I'm delivering something of quality. It allows me to learn as much as possible from every step I take, every person I interact with. It, there's a lot of feedback back and forth where as if I was if I was doing like the Instagram, TikTok, YouTube cross-posting, it would just be a mess. And I'm certain if I could even get it off the ground, I don't think I would be getting the kind of traction and, and growth that I am with this approach. Yeah, for sure, because you get distracted when you're focusing on too many things. 
it's easy to get lost or simply get overwhelmed. Since you're coaching people uh, on video creation, what are the most common challenges they face, especially for those non-native English speakers when it comes to video creation? Yeah, I'm glad you asked because I wanted to ask you the same question. You've done such an incredible job with, you know, when we first met, what you were dealing with, the challenges you had, and where you are now with this podcast. I wanted to ask you, what was the, the biggest challenge you had and how did you overcome it? I think for me, it was a mix of few big challenges, like the um, fear of putting myself out there and um, showing myself on camera, the challenge of finding my words, being a non-native English speaker, and even that I read quite a bit in English and communicate with my clients in English are usually different topics, not like a day-to-day conversation or a more natural approach to conversation. And I think these two were my biggest ones, like being able to be fluent in English on camera, appearing on camera, speaking to, to a mic was just something that I never see myself doing. And yeah, definitely a coaching program helped me a lot overcome these challenges and improve a lot. And yeah, just in a few months starting a podcast, it's unbelievable to be honest. I, I still pitch myself sometimes, to, this is real, this is really happening, or it's just, I don't know, a dream. And yeah, cannot thank you enough for that. But of course, Absolutely. those are just my challenges. But what are those that you usually see in others? Well, what you said is very, very common. You, you use the word fear. I would use the word self-doubt because even I experienced that. I think it's a persistent thing for everybody, not only with video creation, but any sort of creative thing where you're making stuff on a consistent basis and you're sharing it online. There's so many steps along the way to doubt yourself and say, is this good enough? Should I should I try it like this or do it the safer way? Um, so like for me, when you have the video idea, you record the video, you edit it, you get ready to post it. Each of those pieces, it's like an opportunity to say, let's throw this in the trash, right? So kind of overcoming those those inner voices that say, oh, da, da, da. is this really worth doing? To ignore those and commit to what uh, you started, that can be a really big challenge when it comes to the consistency. And to overcome that for a lot of people and for myself included, it's really helpful to systematize or delegate some of those steps. So if you have a really clear system for your content planning, that helps get rid of the the self-doubt and come. It's like, is this a good enough idea? It's like, okay, it's one of 20 ideas this month. So it's not a big deal if it sucks or if it flops, right? Or to delegate the editing process. We were just talking about this off camera for your podcast. Not only does that save you time, but it saves you like the decision-making where you don't have to second guess things and, you know, potentially want to throw things away or whatever because somebody else is taking care of it for you. So self-doubt and then trying to systematize, delegate things, kind of remove those those um, opportunities to to get rid of things and just ignore the inner voices that are telling you no. Yeah, I love that. And I love the delegation part when it comes to avoiding challenges in general and especially for the freelancers that are listening. I think it's one of the biggest mindset shift that I had after like six years of freelancing. When I realized that I was just trading time for money, I wasn't putting a lot of time into actually think and provide value for my customers. So I was always thinking how I can get the next project, complete the next project, the next project, the next project. And I was like on a treadmill. But when I had that mentality shift, I was like, if I have enough time to think, 
I'll provide much more value for clients, actually bringing the results. And to make that time, I need to find help. I need to find someone to execute and me to be able to be paid for thinking. And I think that was the moment that I shift from being a freelancer and actually becoming a solopreneur and managing a few contractors. Because, yeah, I think this is different between solopreneurship and entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurs are more focused on growing big businesses and actually having a team that are full-time employees. When solopreneurs like ourselves are focusing on having some help with tasks that we are either time-consuming or not, we are not that good at. But yeah, I think this is the big mindset shift that uh, I had. And when it comes to the challenge, for sure, totally agree with that. And speaking of this, I want to touch a bit on this myth that when it comes to content creation and especially video creation, that you need to have a lot of tools, a lot of high-tech things to be able to output something of quality or value and so on. Let's debunk that myth. Yeah, so you're talking about, you know, buying a new camera, getting a ring light and all those types of technical gear investments. That's the easy or the path of least resistance maybe when you want to get started with video, you want to like buy all the fancy stuff, make sure your studio setup or whatever you have going on is like perfect and ready to go. It's funny, it's like when I was a musician, there was the same kind of thing where there'd be people I knew who they would spend thousands of dollars buying like their synthesizers and their mixer and their recording studio, getting it all set up. They have like all this stuff put together, but then they weren't usually the ones who actually released music. They would just spend most of their time kind of collecting stuff, it seemed like, which is fine. Everybody has their thing, but there was always kind of like, yeah, that kind of uh, approach. And then maybe the more using what you have to make something. And that's definitely the path to go with if you're serious about actually creating videos and really outputting things and getting momentum. You have to take what you have and, and work with it. 90% of my videos up to this point have been recorded and I'm recording right now with just my iPhone, but literally just my phone and connected into my computer to kind of see what I'm doing with this program. But it's just my phone. I just bought this microphone a couple weeks ago um, and it's, it's really that simple. So it's like it can fit in your pocket. That's all you really need to start making videos. And of course, some really cheap or free editing software. But that, that's, that's no investment. You don't need much more than that. Yeah, true. When I when I started my podcast, I was like, oh, I should set up that and that. And speaking of doing and creating video, how is your process looking like uh, for those that are wanting to jump into creating videos for social media or YouTube? So I have basically a set of goals for my content strategy. And without going into too much detail, it's basically uh, based around what do I want people to understand? What do I want them to perceive uh, and believe? How do I want them to feel when they watch my videos? So that's kind of like the basis around everything I do from the idea stage. It's like, is it checking these boxes? Is it accomplishing these things? And then it gets more into the specifics of like, okay, what kind of story am I gonna tell? What kind of tip do I wanna give? You know, and I wanna focus on making things very actionable. I wanna make my stories, you know, vivid and hopefully powerful for people when they listen to it, they really feel something. So on the content strategy side, it's about those two things basically. Then when it comes time to record, this is really important. This was a kind of a big shift for me. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure how you do it actually, I wanted to ask you. For me, it was a really big shift when I started recording at the same time, like the same day, same time every week 
or maybe there's a little bit of variation, but always choosing like a consistent time is really, really helpful for that consistency. It's really easy to kind of say, oh, we'll do it next week or we'll kind of plan it maybe when I feel the inspiration or something. But to schedule it in your calendar is a really important step to get that consistency. Like we said, with the inner voices, remove opportunities to say no or to quit. So scheduling it is really, really helpful to make sure you actually show up. And then, you know, do some takes. I have my own kind of scripting preparation method that avoids typing out a lot of ideas and then trying to perform them, but rather take a speaking approach where I have some rough ideas. And like I said, I kind of have my goals for what I want the video to accomplish. And then I just go for it. I speak, I do a few really crappy kind of brainstorming takes where my intention isn't to try to use this, but it's just to kind of work through my ideas. And then I have kind of like the go time take where, okay, this is it. Um, there's still spontaneity and there's still this kind of freshness where I don't know exactly what I'm gonna say, but I have things a lot more clear. That's what the recording process looks like. For editing, I use a really easy, really, I'll say minimal program that I think you use as well called Descript. So I love that because it makes it really fast, really easy. Um, I'm not a very skilled person when it comes to like, I don't know, computer stuff in general, but definitely not a, a skilled editor. So I keep it minimal and I'm actually in the process of looking for an editor to kind of give me some more fancy uh, edge with uh, cool effects and things, but I keep it minimal when I do it myself. And then in terms of posting, I follow the same kind of routine that I established with the, the content strategy in the beginning. I try to follow a, a weekly schedule, but to be honest, uh, you mentioned time being the struggle and delegation being the struggle. I've been really falling behind on that, not only with like the posting things, but the whole like lead generation. I had to take like the last month or so off. I got a little bit overwhelmed with, uh, with working with clients and then of course traveling back home, family things. But uh, that's like been my challenge, I have to say with keeping all of this balance with the work I'm doing with clients and, and everything else. Yeah, that's quite a deep dive in your process. Love that you share all of that. Thank you so much. And yeah, before going into that, I want to say to not put too much pressure on you. That's the beauty of being self-employed that you, if you want to take a month off, if you want to take two months off, you can do that. And when it comes to your process, to answer your question, yeah, I do the same thing. Like I have a set date and time in the calendar to be able to do the creative part of things, like write or record. And same when it comes to publishing or engagement, because otherwise it's just overwhelming and hard to achieve to make that routine to improve every single time. Because if you do once in a while, it doesn't get into your blood and start being a habit you mentioned at some point scripting and any tips that you want to share some actionable advice for those that are currently probably creating video content on that side like all the scripts laid down and reading to switch to the outlining uh, approach yeah that's a great point that you bring up well to make it really really easy I would recommend anybody who's currently scripting their videos and they want to at least see what it's like to, like you say, have this more speaking oriented approach. I would recommend actually just recording yourself speaking in a natural environment that you're already speaking in. 
So record yourself in a sales call or um, a conversation with the clients, or if you're in a meeting or giving a presentation, anywhere that you're just speaking. Now, that's assuming you don't like write out a script for these situations, but I mean like in a conversational type of, of setting, record yourself speaking and go through it, listen back, and just pick out like a one or two minute clip where you're talking about something that would be relevant to your target audience wherever you're posting content. And just take that as, okay, this is like a content idea. I was explaining this topic to somebody, just like I'm explaining this topic to you. We can cut this out and make it a little short form video, right? The same sort of thing where I'm just improvising speaking, but then because I'm answering a question, I'm talking to a specific person, it's basically everything you need for a piece of content. So for anybody, like I said, who's trying to make the transition from writing to simply speaking in their videos, try just capturing cutting something out and then using that as your content. You might be really surprised by the results as long as you're not, you know, too in your head about it or whatever, but it's, it's a big difference. Like you said. Yeah. I love that. And I can confirm that it works. So thank you so much for sharing that. And when it comes to the tools, because you mentioned the script and indeed I'm loving that tool. Like for those of you who are not aware, it's like editing a word document. And if you delete a word, will delete that part of the video as well, or that part of the audio. So basically editing a piece of text will edit a piece of video, a piece of audio, which is brilliant and you can export for various platforms. So I'll leave anyway, a link in the show notes to that tool to check it out guys, if you want. There are any other tips or tools, resources that you use when it comes to your content creation, uh, video content creation that you want to share? Yeah, like I said, I like to keep it minimal. Recording on my iPhone, I just bought a mic for the first time not too long ago, and then doing this really quick, easy editing with Descript. But besides technical things, if we talk about resources, not just in terms of like software or devices, something that I think people overlook is kind of what we just said, all of these opportunities to capture moments uh, in our in our day-to-day life, in our in our work, rather than trying to kind of uh, set something up and, and get this perfect moment. Just recording a conversation like we are now can produce a lot of really interesting ideas and really well said clips that you can then take uh, and post on your social media. Or if you want to learn about, you know, what to be posting, who uh, you're trying to reach, you know, what, what kind of things they care about, talk to those people, you know, start with conversations where you're talking with the client and just be aware of what questions they're asking, what kinds of beliefs do they have that you see very differently and addressing those things in your content. That's a huge resource right there. Just the people that you're working with, people around you to get a lot of ideas, a lot of clarity. And I think people want to look somewhere else for the answers. They want to find the perfect, you know, solution to something or they want to get guidance, which is a good idea in a lot of cases, but I I recommend not to underestimate the power of these people and relationships and experiences that you have on a daily basis to get the ideas, the inspiration that you need. True. And speaking of that, I just noticed the other day and I actually booked a call with him as well. He's on this challenge of every single day to have a video call with someone this year. And he's actually putting parts of the calls on uh, LinkedIn, part of his video creation uh, journey. And uh, speaking of others, do you have any 
favorite creators that is inspiring you when it comes to their work or the content they are pushing out? I'll give a really unsurprising answer because everybody is talking about him because he's everywhere and he's one of my favorites as well, Alex Hormozzi. So anybody who's seen any of his content cannot disagree that he's super talented, super intelligent, and super articulate. And he also has a fantastic content team. His editing is like the most entertaining, engaging, uh, and it's just amazing how how pleasant of an experience it is to hear him talk about sometimes these more mundane topics. It's a very entertaining experience. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Alex Hormozzi in his videos, as well as his uh, book that he released. I love what he does. Yeah, me too. It's such inspiring, especially for a young person, because a lot of people doesn't know that he's 20-something. And yeah, if you guys don't know him, definitely check him out. And his podcast, The Game, it's a game changer for business. And it comes to, because you mentioned uh, his book, I think I know the book that you're referring to is The 100 Million Offer. Right. Yeah, a great book. And speaking of books, do you have any other favorites when it comes to business in general or content creation that you have read recently? That's a good question. I've read a lot of books and there's not that many that I would recommend, <laughs> especially from like a business <laughs> perspective, uh, to be honest with you. There's a lot of good gems and things, but I think that doing, you know, like giving it a shot and learning from experience is definitely more fruitful than reading more books. But $100 million offers is definitely like top three. I really, really had a profound shift when I read Russell Brunson's books, The ClickFunnels Guy. Uh, expertsecrets.com secrets, both of those were really eye-opening for me at the beginning of my journey with the solopreneurship. What else? There's a book I'm actually going through right now, and it's only really available as a PDF, and I've heard it regarded as the world's best copywriting book, and I believe it's called Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene something. It's some book from like the 60s. And like I said, I think you can get it for like $600 on Amazon. But I got it from a, a really fantastic newsletter, email newsletter that shared it for free. And uh, it's really, really profound, not only for copywriting. Obviously, that's not like my specific uh, area, but understanding language and how to kind of get into the psychology of the way you communicate from a, like a marketing perspective, a sales perspective. There's a lot of really powerful insights there, but it's kind of an obscure book. Yeah, I definitely need to check that out. I haven't heard of it. So as uh, a tradition in this show, we have a challenge for every single guest that you have that is not known beforehand. And I want to have a specific challenge. It's not around video creation, even that that's your expertise, because the challenge is around your LinkedIn bio, because that bio made me buy your coaching program. It's so well written and was speaking directly to me, directly to my pain points, challenges and solutions and so on. So the challenge for you will be to help our listeners create, let's say, the perfect bio. It doesn't have to be for LinkedIn, but in general, if it's an about page on your, on their website or it's a, I don't know, sales page, you touch there on some really, really important stuff. And we spoke recently about copywriting. That's how the idea came to me. And yeah, I would love to put this into practice, like to make a step-by-step -step plan for them to actually achieve this uh, perfect bio. How would go about that? Great challenge, great question. So 
I can only tell you what I did, and I'm really happy to hear that you liked it, that it spoke to you, because yeah, that's that's basically my goal with that, right? To make it really clear who I'm talking to, touch their pain points, and say something that resonates with them and makes them curious to find out more. So the first thing that I think anybody should do if they're trying to write something, like you just said, that really speaks to a specific person is to think about that person and specifically understand what are their pain points, you know, list out every single problem that you're aware of them having. And hopefully that'll be 20, 30, 40, 50 things. Pick the top 10 that you know are going to be the most important and specifically the ones that you know you can help them with. That's also important. You're not just going to throw something kind of random there. Get those pain points that are really important and you can help them with and start your about me, your bio by calling them out based on those pay points. So something like, I don't remember exactly what mine says. It's something like uh, video content creators. Are you dealing with this or something like that? And I just list the problems that the people I work with have. So that's like, uh, it takes forever to record your videos. You don't know what to make videos about. Uh, you're struggling with your pronunciation and nobody understand what you're saying, all this sort of stuff. List those out and then paint a picture for them. You can say, just imagine, or da 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 to kind of shift from this is the horrible reality to this is what could happen in the future. And take those 10 bullet points you made, copy paste them down below, and then change them from the problem to the solution. So uh, before it was, it takes ages to record your videos to say, you can record your videos in minutes instead of hours. Or it only takes you a few da 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 times a day, da -da, something really easy, right? Uh, list all of those solutions. Just flip the language, like I said. So you've called them out. You've called out their problems. They say, yes, I'm dealing with this. You paint this future for them. And only after you've done those two like pretty big steps, that's where I would introduce myself, introduce what I'm offering. So to basically say, you know, if this is what you're dealing with, this is what you want. I'm Dalton. I have this program. And in just 10 weeks, it's proven to help people achieve these things we just described. At that point, you're probably going to be close to the character limit. But if you have any more space, I would recommend doing one of two things. If you have a lot of space, put in some direct quotes from people that uh, you've worked with, that have worked with you. What did they say about the program? What was the transformation that they saw just in one sentence, you know, something short? If there isn't that space, or in any case, it's a really good idea to direct them to the next part of your profile that you want them to see. Because the LinkedIn uh, profile is sort of like a landing page, right? We see the profile picture and the headline first. If that's engaging enough, we'll click and then we'll see the banner. And then we'll see the headline again. If that's engaging enough, hopefully we'll go down to the bio, to the about me. If that's engaging enough, hopefully we'll go back to their featured section or their content and to their recommendations. So if you can direct them to some of your content, direct them to your recommendations, the more time they spend on your profile, the more they're gonna learn about you, um, the more hopefully you're going to connect with them and, and have some things that resonate with them. And if you have testimonials, recommendations, they'll see that proof and hopefully start to understand that it wasn't just uh, nonsense that you wrote in the, in the About Me, that it's actually real, you can help them with this and here's some proof. Thank you so much for sharing. And you mentioned that when it comes to getting clients on LinkedIn, if you are still talking about this, 
You mentioned that it's your primary source of clients. Do you have any other future plans, next steps that you want to take in uh, this in order to diversify the sources? I feel a little funny being like a video coach. That's what I do, yet I'm not on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or any of these video-based platforms. Like people even think LinkedIn. It's like, why are you even making videos on LinkedIn? So it feels a little bit funny to just be focused on there, but I'm convinced that this is a smart move for me to stay focused, like I said, on this one platform until I hit a critical mass where I really feel like, okay, I've exhausted my let's say my resources here. Um, I have a good system that I can sort of operate minimally so I can keep you know traction on LinkedIn and then I'll scale to another platform and, and kind of have to do the work to build that up and build systems with that. So I'm planning to stay on LinkedIn, at least for right now. Uh, unless things go horribly south, I get banned or something. That's always possible. Who knows? Uh, but that's my plan for right now. And then eventually scaling, building up there and then, you know, building it out. But that's going to take a lot of delegation, a lot of help from other people. So I'm happy to be focused just on LinkedIn. And I want to say also, I think people underestimate what's possible, even with just one platform. It's a good idea to have a website where you can direct people to kind of show, yes, some more legitimacy and to be more direct about what you're offering. But with just one platform, you can meet a lot of people, you can reach a lot of people. And especially on LinkedIn, it's a very action taking kind of platform. People aren't there just like scrolling as much as on other platforms. People are there for a reason a lot more. So there's a lot more potential to connect with people and actually form a relationship and, and do something together uh, when on Instagram and, and so on, there's just more random people and, and it's not quite as, there's not quite as much engagement and relationships there, I think. So something else to keep in mind about where you decide to focus your resources. I agree. So I really love the conversation around business and because it's always inspiring and also full of tips and actionable things that you can apply right away. But I want to go a bit back to this lifestyle that you're having. And I know that you're slow nomading. And for those that are not familiar with the concept, can you expand a bit on that? Well, I think the reputation or kind of the stereotype of digital nomads is that you have a backpack and you're like walking through the jungle and you're in South America, like a new country every week and you have all these flights and you're in hostels, just like living this like crazy kind of life. For me, it couldn't be further from the truth. I am always at the limits uh, of the luggage allowance on planes. Like I have way too much crap I carry with me. I spend as much time as possible based on visa limitations in the countries I go to. That's always like about two or three months. And I prefer to have this slower pace, basically. And that also means I have a much more kind of normal life in the places that I, I travel to. I'm getting an apartment and really sort of settling down, at least for those couple months, and uh, reluctantly packing my heavy bag and then moving on to the next place. I love that because I can totally relate. We are, we are having the same approach and it works better because that way you have the opportunity to get immerse in the country that you're uh, exploring and you're not just rushing through oh i need to check this place out as well i need to you have time to explore you have time to do your work you have time to learn about that uh, culture and actually take the most out of it 
And you mentioned that you stay a few months in one place. And how many countries you visit so far? Right. Yeah. For full transparency, I lived for two and a half years in the Netherlands. I lived for two and a half years in Germany. And for the slow mad, slow nomading type of lifestyle, it was Georgia, Turkey, Hungary, Serbia, Bulgaria, and now I'm back in the US. So I've been in the Balkans, Turkey, Georgia, that kind of whole area. Um, a lot of bus rides in that time, avoiding the, like I said, the <laughs> luggage limit on the planes. But that's where I've been for the past uh, little over a year. That's, that's not something that I hear very often when it comes to moving from places to places with uh, a bus. How is the experience? especially carrying with you the luggage and uh, <laughs> moving from country to country. Because I had just once that experience where it was a vacation. So I was like, never again, 21 hours in a bus. Yeah, no, that would be a long time. Going from like Budapest to Belgrade or Belgrade to Sofia, for example, these were kind of some of the trips I was taking. Uh, it's, it's only five, six hours, but I still would highly advise against it if you can afford a plane ticket. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's always with buses, it's less comfortable. Sometimes there's just strange people. You don't know what's going on. Like you get dropped off at some like truck stop restaurant. And everyone's like smoking cigarettes inside in Serbia. And you're just like, when when is the bus leaving? Like just keeping an eye, make sure they don't like leave you behind. Uh, it's perfectly fine and perfectly safe, I think. But I can say I prefer plane travel. It's just... Practically speaking, it uh, was a good idea to try these buses, but looking forward to the future, I'll try to avoid that if I can. Well, that's an experience for sure. And before we wrap up, please let me know how our listeners can reach out to you if they want to work with you and how they can find you and if you have availability, because I know that we're quite busy. Yes. So by the time this podcast comes out, I will be happy to connect with anybody who's interested to learn more about video content creation, communication as well for non-native English speakers, but also for English speakers. You know, it's, it's a lot of the same skills, just kind of with a different angle, but I'm available. I'm active. I'm present on LinkedIn. So I'm sure Gabe will put that in the bio. That's the best place to reach me. If you are interested in learning more about what I actually do with the coaching program, you can go to daltondanks.com. So also, I'm sure Gabe will put that in the show notes, but LinkedIn and my website, best places to find me. That's awesome. And from a personal perspective, I highly recommend Dalton because as I mentioned a few months ago, I wasn't able to do this, like to be on camera, to talk on a mic and now recording podcasts, pushing out video content already. It's, he changed. I, I won't go that far to say that he changed my life, but quite close to it because I think I finally find my vocation. So yeah, that might be something that I will say in one year that yeah, Dalton, I own you big time. Before wrapping up, I have another challenge for our listener this time. Uh, and it's with a twist because uh, this time you have to create a challenge. Should not take more than one day to complete and we make our listeners better video creators what you tell them to do in uh, that amount of time to improve their video creation game yeah first of all i love that you're doing this challenge idea for you know me as a guest it's a really nice surprise and i think it's really great that you make it actionable for all the listeners so the best challenge i can give which normally be like a piece of advice but in this case it's going to be a challenge for everybody listening is to record their first video 
very simple, very straightforward, right? Even if you've already done it in the past a little bit, you know, but it's not really a routine yet, record another video. As soon as you hear this, you know, this next week, set a deadline for yourself, record it. And the next step is gonna be to post that video. The reason I want you to post the video is because I wanna see the video. So post the video, it doesn't matter what platform. If you connect with me on LinkedIn, send me the video. I'm gonna give you a very special step, I guess step three now after posting. And that's because I want you to get that feedback that is gonna help you take that first video or just that kind of new video after a long break maybe, to take that video and have it be a starting point for getting the self-awareness, for getting kind of the perspective so that you can start to move forward and make better videos because once we get that clarity, once we get that perspective, uh, it opens up the door to start moving forward to where we wanna go, but it also kind of gives us some relief. You know, a lot of the nervousness, a lot of the fear can settle down a little bit once we have the perspective, okay, this is the problem. This is what's good about it as well, but this is what I need to focus on to get better. So post the video, send it to me, and I will send you uh, the feedback assessment. It's just a list of questions, multiple choice questions, and some short response answers. Gabe remembers this from when we first started the program. I use it with all the people I work with and for myself, and it's really targeted to give you perspective, like I said, on what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, in terms of your communication, the process that you're using, what's going on with your mindset, so that you can get the perspective you need. You know, you understand where you are right here, you see where you want to be. And then after this, you can start to chart the path to where you want to go. So it's a really important kind of introductory step. And I would love to help all the listeners here take that step, get that perspective, and at least orient themselves as they start to go on a path towards making videos and content that they're really proud of sharing. I love that. Thank you so much. And I think this is not only actionable and achievable in one day, but from my experience, as you mentioned uh, during your work with me, for me, it changed everything. And especially that actionable feedback that I got that I can play, apply right away. Thank you so much for the challenge, Dels. And thank you so much for joining our talk here at the Nomad Solopreneur Show. It was a pleasure to host you. And uh, yeah, I cannot thank you enough for all the advices and tips that you share. Thank you, Gabe. It's a pleasure to see this transformation and, and be a part of this awesome podcast you've launched. I'm really excited to hear the other guests and see how it develops. So keep up the great work. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check the show notes where you'll find direct links to the tools and resources mentioned in this episode and much more. If you enjoyed this podcast, you'll love our newsletter. Get it at gabe.li slash newsletter, where every Tuesday you'll get a two-minute read zero-fluff email on how to go from freelancing to solopreneurship and run a one-person business while traveling the world. Don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcast station to not miss when we drop the next episode. We have lots of exciting guests and surprises coming up. This is your host, Gemma Rushka with the Noma Solopreneur Show. Until next week, Pura Vida!